I'll start. We're in First uh, John uh, chapter 3, and I'm hoping that we'll finish off the uh, chapter today. But I don't know, because it's a big chunk, but it kind of flows together as one thought. So let me just say this. You know, I was saying, if you don't, go ahead and shake hands unless you're kind of weird about that still. Uh, should you be? Look, I haven't spent even one nanosecond worrying about COVID-19. And I don't suggest worry is ever a good idea. Um, you know, is it a real... Yeah, we've said that right along. And we've tried to take precautions and things of this nature. I think good hygiene habits and probably social distancing. I, nev I never did, not even for a day, not ever. I mean, I, I just... I just uh, and I, because I'm not worried because fear isn't of the Lord. He hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of sound mind. So I don't think anyone should be afraid, period. Uh, should you take precautions? Well, listen, let your, let your, pray to God and do what God tells you to do. I would suggest that. So, and, and what I'm saying is, obviously some people shouldn't be here. I, and I, I totally get that, okay? Now, having said that, I'm afraid that some people are using this for a cover of unfaithfulness and just saying like, yeah, okay, uh, I don't want to catch the virus. I'll just tune into YouTube and stuff. And we're glad that you know people are here. But, uh, you know, so, what, Adam, why are you going on about this? Because people ask me, how's the church going? How's the church going? How's the church going? How's the church going? I get it all the time. Of course. Anytime I run into somebody who knows, uh, you know, a, a pastor of church, they want to know how it's going. And I think, like, mm. yeah, we're almost going to get a mortgage paid off, which, by the way, that's in January, I think. Praise God. And that's what they say. You know, hey, amen. Praise God. You know, they're all happy about that. And they'll say, well, how's the, you know, things going? Eh, we're not even... Since COVID, we even got our original numbers back. We're not, a lot of churches have seen growth because, you know, people are coming to, you know, like, they get it. God's shaking up the whole world. Uh, we're about to see the end of it all. And, you know, I want to be part of what's, what's going on, you know. And some people get that or sense of that. And here, you don't know, there's like a spirit of darkness over this community. Like, I, I don't know, but... I'd, I'd hate to see somebody missing out. Uh, okay, let's pray. Let's get into the word. And that's not a word of condemnation. It's a word of like, you know. And the other thing too is like, I understand people are on vacation or they have alternate plans. Yeah, I get that. I've never been on your case about that. But if you're using this to just be not so faithful, I don't think that's probably a good idea. Lord, I pray that people would take that in a good spirit in which it was meant. I'm nobody's judge, but I hate to see, Lord, you know, I I know how it is with Satan, you know. People leave, and then next thing they know, their marriage is being attacked, and they're splitting up, and I've seen it all, Lord. You've seen it all, and I don't want to see that happen to people. I, I want to see them faithful to the things of the Lord, and and, you know, prospering in a spiritual way, and every other way. I pray you bless, uh, bless this word to that end, in Jesus' name. First uh, John chapter 4, marvel not, my brethren, if the world hates you. Uh, chapter 4, verse 13, did I say that? Chapter 4, First John chapter 4, verse 13, marvel not, my brethren, if the world hates you. Why? I'm such a lovable guy. They hate Jesus. There's a spirit of rebellion, of an antichrist spirit over the whole planet. And you are... They can't get to Jesus. They can get to you. 
you know how, uh, you know, a lot of us guys, we're like, what are you going to do? You got nothing. We're like amazing. We're not, we're, we're fearless. What will they do? How would people get at us? They'd mess with our family. They'd mess with our, our spouse our, or our children. Oh, my good, goodness. Now, all of a sudden, we're, we're very, you, we're untouchable. You got nothing. Oh, you would attack my family? Oh, that's, now we're, now we're nervous. You've got our attention. It's the same way, I think, with the Lord. You can't get at him so you attack his bride. And that's why the world hates you. Because they hate him. Because he's convicting the world that their deeds are evil. And you are an ongoing representation of that every single day. And so we know that, you know, if uh, all those who would live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. We know that. That's not news to us. And here it's telling us, marvel not, my brothers, the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Let's talk about love for a second. Whoso hateth his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. And he gives the example of verse 12, Cain. He was of the wicked one. We have Cain, we have Abel. One's righteous, one's unrighteous. One's going to heaven, one's going to hell. One's, as we would say, saved, one is lost. One's headed to eternal bliss with the, with the creator, one's headed to perdition. What does it look like? One's a hater murderer and the other's a lover of God and of, I'm sure of his, of his family at that time. We, uh, how many people are there? I think this is Adam and Eve and Cain and Abel when you know Cain kills Abel because Seth is born after that as a replacement in Eve's mind for her son Abel that she lost. So I think there's only four people, and one of them is dastardly. One of them's a hater, and he ends up being a murderer. You say, well, I don't really know that I'm a murderer. Okay, it's not static. It's not like we know that we've passed from death and life because we love the brethren. And he's not even talking about loving your enemies, which that's a, a separate discussion. We know that we've passed from death and life because we love the brethren. Um. You know, we talk, let's talk about love. And, I, you know, we've said this before. Uh, before I was saved, I loved my mom. Now that I'm saved, I love my mom. You think, wow, what a transformation. It's, it's, it's mind-boggling what God has done in your life. You used to love, and now you love. So what's the difference? The difference is John chapter, I mean, Romans chapter 5, verse 5. But let's get it right from the beginning. Therefore, being justified by faith. We're talking about saved people. Justified by faith. In other words, born again. Faith. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. By whom we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. In other words, we're going to heaven. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also. First John would know something of this, right? Knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. And hope maketh us not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. Anyone ever hear me quote that verse before? Sure you did. Sometimes I say something, you can finish off my sentences, which by the way, you've probably overstayed your welcome and you need to start a church somewhere else if that's the case, but that's a story for another time. You've heard me say that. You've heard me say that plenty of times. 
the love of God is shed abroad in our, holy, uh, in our hearts by the Holy Spirit which is given unto us. Listen, I used to not love at all the brethren. I used to think Christians creep me out. This guy's going to stop preaching to me. He's going to tell me I'm a sinner. I'm going to hell. I knew the score. You think I never ran into a Christian before I was one? No, they're just like holier than thou and they're just all a bunch of pretentious, hypocritical. Could you see hypocrisy? <laughs> Easy peasy. I, I, I used to watch a broadcast of a guy, you know, He's on for half hour, 25 minutes of it. He's, he's digging you for money. Oh, they'll take the broadcast off the air if you don't send me or I'm like, I saw that carnival. And I didn't care about it. I'd see hypocrisy. I'd see, and I didn't like Christians. What happened? I got saved. Love of God shed abroad in my heart by the Holy Spirit given, given me. Uh, now do I love? Oh yeah, oh yeah. I I I I, I crossed over. I get, I get converted. I get saved. I got the Holy Spirit living in me, and it looks like something. It looks like me loving you when I used to not. Uh, well, how do we know uh, that you love us, Adam? Because you don't know my heart. You don't know like the prayers that I pray, the tears that I pour out in full wood. You don't know like the sweat that goes into like preparation for teaching and the, and the struggle goes in with me to like make sure my life is right, make sure I know what I'm talking about, make sure I present in such a way that glorifies God and edifies you. Uh, that's how I love. I, you know, I have a gift and I want to use it to the glory of God and to the building up of the church. Um, that's, that's what love looks like. And in, 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 you say, well, now you're just bragging. Yeah, about God. I'm trying to tell you it's not of me. It's not in me. It's not natural to me. It's what God gave me. And, what, and, and the reason I'm talking about this is because it's, it becomes a test. There's three major tests in this book. Have you seen it yet? The test on what you believe, how you live, and if you love. Have you seen this? I mean, he goes over and over. He drills down deeper each time. He goes through this. And this is talking about love. Are you the real thing? Well, do you love? That's what he's saying. And I'm saying, listen, I, I read through this and I'm thinking, yeah. I remember I used to tell people, go to hell and meant it. Well, I don't. Even people I don't know, who I don't love, I, I don't want them to go to hell. Because I get this, in, I was infected by this love of God. What happened to me? I'm going along fat, dumb, and happy. Holy Spirit invades my life. And all of a sudden, I'm concerned about people I shouldn't even be, I don't even care about normally before, like, like how I used to be. And this is an evidence in me that God is working my heart, that God is there, that God's real, that my conversion is a real deal. Well, I don't care about anybody. You can all go to hell for that. I don't care. What do I care? Wait a second. That shows me that I'm not legit. And this is what John's saying. So back in, and I'm just sharing this. So you hate your brother, you're a murderer. You know that murderers aren't going to heaven. Now ex-murderers go to heaven. We've seen that in the life of Moses. We've seen that in the life of David. I'm a murderer. I just like kill everybody. And I never have, okay? I can say that I never physically killed anybody. It's not for lack of trying. I mean, I've got in plenty of fights. Got got by the throat and I'm hitting him with so many rights. He's praying for left. He's like, Adam, you never did that. Uh, back when... Alcohol was a part of my life in the Marine Corps, and it's not pretty. I don't brag about stuff like that. It's shameful. It's horrible. My life was before Christ is a, it's chaos. It's abysmal. It's nothing to edify anybody. I don't talk about it. That guy, he died 
Good riddance. He's buried with Christ. God taking out the trash. I don't brag about that. But I tried. I would have killed people. I, I, I had to murder a spirit. I never actually took anyone's life, but I wish people dead. That's not of God. No, it's different. You know how it is. You, 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 you're born again. You, some of you are sitting here going, yeah, I know, I'm feeling you. I get it. I know, because you're the same way. You're infected by the same spirit. All of a sudden, you have love in your life when you would never had it before. Some of you got to remember what it was like before. You know, you've been saved so long, you don't even remember how it used to be like. Whoso hateth his brother, you're, that's murderous. Hate and murder go together. You know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Like I say, ex-murderers, that's a different thing. Because we're all ex-something. Hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us. We ought to lay down our lives for our brethren. Let's talk about this for a little bit. Look, it's a hard thing to do, right? Uh, I would I would die for somebody else. I, I would do that. I would I would definitely I would I would I would do that. I would die for my wife. Someone came into my house and I would defend her to the death. So I go down, you know, I hear a noise downstairs. I go down to protect her and stuff. And we're both gonna die tonight. But he shoots me and then getting all nerved up, he runs out. I literally save her life. Yay! All guys would do that. I, that's who we are as guys, you know what I mean. She'd rather, though, that I lived for her. She'd rather me, this, because I think all of us would, like, do that. If our life was, like, a $1,000 bill, we'd write out that check. Here's a $1,000. Here's my life. You got it. I, I lose, you win. I'm out of here. Most guys are like, yeah, I, I know that we have that heroic spirit in us. I think that's even before the fall, we have that. That's why we, all our movies are about that heroism, guys laying down their life. Sometimes they die, sometimes they don't. But we, we, we see that and we, you know, that not just superhero movies, all, all heroic. Anyone who like, you know, sacrifices on behalf of another. Guys got that. We, we, we understand that. Now, you're thinking, well, I, I would do that. I wouldn't even do that before I was a Christian. I'd, I'd write out that check for thought. Here's my life. Go to the bank, cash that $1,000 check, and put it in dimes, and give it out a dime at a time. Because I think this is what it's saying here. When it's saying down, lay down your life, it's talking about setting aside your, your life. Jesus died for us. No greater love hath any man than to give his life for his friends. You and my friends, he goes on to say. We know that. We get it. We understand. Yay. My wife doesn't want me to die for her. She wants me to die for her every second of every day, little by little, dime at a time. Uh, I would die for somebody, but I wouldn't. There's a prime parking spot that I'm going to hurry up and pull into and not give this other guy the... I'm not dying itself. I'm not setting myself aside. It's all about me. That's a better test than that ultimate, you know, it is a far, far better thing I've done than I've ever done before from... Tale of Two Cities, where the guy who looks like the guilty guy goes to the guillotine instead of, and because he's kind of a fop and you know just a womanizer, not a good guy. And at the end, he sums up all his courage and he dies on behalf of like the good guy. We see this in, in cinema, we see it in books, we've seen it before. That's fine. That's wonderful. It's a good thing in us. Like I say, a little bit at a time. Set yourself aside. 
my wife is, I, I would die for my wife. They would say, yeah, I'm feeling you. I would too. Uh, I would die for my wife too. I, I know. But I won't give her the remote control. <laughs> she, sorry, she don't know how to use it anyway. So I'm going to select what we're watching. I'm going to, and it's, and I'm going to choose the restaurant and I'm going to choose this and I'm going to, it's all about me and mine and what I want all the time. By the way, if it really is that, what's your marriage looking like? It's all about me all the time. She's praying for my death. She wakes up thinking, Lord, is today the day you take this like grouchy, horrible man this who's all about himself all the time out of my life? Please, Lord, please. Nobody wants to be married to that guy. Lord, uh, uh, he's so giving. He's so wonderful. You know, she'll wake up and she's just like, thinks, well, you know, if your life is about, hey, how can I bless you? What can I do for you? What can I, can I set my life aside? That's what this verse is saying. This is how we perceive the love of God. He laid down his life for us. Jesus did. He set him, his, his own stuff aside to take care of our stuff, to wit, our salvation. This is how we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. And not just your spouse, giving of yourself to meet the needs of others. There you go. But whoso hath this world's good and sees his brother have need and shut up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwells the love of God in him? So you see somebody has need. When do you see that? Well, on the off-ramp or in that little median when you're pulling into Walmart or Home Depot, pulling around, that's the person who has need, right? And if you say, yeah, bad chance you're getting a nickel of mine, how dwells the love of God in you? And this is what this is saying, right? Well, I'll just... Played on everybody's emotions now, and you're thinking like, wait a second, you say they're probably taking you for a ride. You don't give yourself. You tell us that we're supposed to give. No. No. You have to pray, and you have to be I've heard so many people talk about that before, and this is in our life where we see it the most. Okay, so it happened the other night. We were going into Home Depot. Oh, no, it was Walmart, and uh, there was a young lady there, 20s, you think? And I had, it was me and Suze, and I had my granddaughter with me. So what I do now is like, she sees too. So it's easy to pull over, hand the girl some money, and just like, easy peasy. And now my granddaughter thinks, oh, Papa's wonderful. And, and, I didn't do it, and I was thinking about it, and it was kind of like that little struggle that goes on in all of our hearts, that moment of, because it's like an appeasement. Here's, here's 10 bucks. Yay, now I'm, I'm cool, and see how groovy I am. And 10 bucks, I mean, most of us wouldn't hardly miss that. And, right? What's she going to do with the money? See, one guy there had a sign said, uh, I'm not even lying about it. I want beer money. And I thought, wow, that was refreshingly honest. I gave him 50 bucks. I thought, like, yeah, so long you be on, I didn't give him any money. <laughs> People say, you give him 50 bucks? Uh, no, no, because that's always the concern. I don't care. Like, a few bucks is going to make a difference in my life, and it might make a difference in theirs. And I don't want it, this verse to be, and I, th- I know this verse. I know we were coming up on it. So the other night when I, uh, you know, I thought like, well, you know, I can give you an illustration where I stopped and helped somebody out. But did I or would I? Because you really got to be discerning. I mean, listen, uh, back when the economy was roaring and like, uh, it was like, 
only people who weren't working were people who didn't want jobs. I'm coming out of Home Depot and there's a guy there, you know, uh, we'll work for food or help with that or whatever sign he had. I don't remember it. And I'm thinking, they're advertising right there at Home Depot and you stand outside. Why don't you go in there and make, be an honest man? They'll pay you money and everything. You'll have to give them some work, but because he's, he's playing on people's emotions and and I wouldn't, I wouldn't give that guy time of day. So what about the lady? And I didn't give her anything, but you know, I was driving by. And I looked at it a little bit, just because I see the clothes, see the, how many LL Bean labels I can spot. And I do that, like you know, guys like he's got like synthetic, nice LL Bean. He's got like a Northern Face jacket and stuff like this, and he's struggling. You can't always tell by clothes because you know they buy them jeans that are all tore up now. They look like you know. They pay probably more money than I pay for my Levi's. It's crazy, but whatever, you know. And so you can't always tell by clothes, but, you know, so, like, I think she was, like, made up more than somebody who is, I mean, like, if you're starving and you can't make ends meet, how much Maybelline can you buy? I'm just, I'm just, I'm just asking the question. And it just, she just didn't look, like, authentic to me. And I was thinking about it, and it kind of stuck with me a little bit, and I was thinking, that's never going to be my granddaughter because uh, I'm going to provide for her. I'm going to make sure she always has the stuff that she needs to, to, you know, that she's never going to be in a situation like that. Or maybe she's just, like I say, you know, scamming. Maybe, and that's kind of how I thought. But I was thinking, like, maybe there's somebody out there who's her granddad saying, like, she wouldn't listen. She wouldn't take what I was offering. She wouldn't, and she's out there now, and maybe she's on drugs. I, I don't know. But I was like praying about it. I didn't feel like at all that I should. Now, a couple weeks prior to that, uh, me and Sue's were out. We were shopping in Ellsworth, and she was in the store, and I was out in the car. And a lady come by, and she had this story, and she had gauze all over her, and she looked like she was a mess. And she had this car that looked like it was gonna, it was on its last legs, and everything. She didn't tell me about you know, the church that helps her out, but their clothes, and with this, and this, and that. And I'm trying to interrupt. I don't have a dollar on me. It's hard to give when you don't have anything to give. Because I don't carry a lot of cash, five bucks in case I need some chewing gum or whatever, right? I don't carry a lot of money on me. I'm just not a, a cash guy. I usually use cards, swipe the plastic, and away we go. And she's trying to tell me this stuff. And I think I would have gave her maybe a few bucks. She was crazy. She was legitimately crazy. But I thought... Yeah, crazy lady needs a few bucks. I, I, I mean, she was like out to lunch crazy. And, you know, she's, the government is, they're poisoning her and she's targeted for this. And, you know, they're spraying her with this and, of course, and she's got a lawyer who's going to, and she's got this dog in the front seat with her and stuff. And just like, I would have gave her a, a they usually don't take a credit card, you know what I mean? And if somebody, if they do, that's another problem, too. If they bring out their card reader and, yeah, I, don't know, I take plastic. That's, that's a bad thing, too. So, you know what I do? I give through the church because I think the church is very helpful in giving people gospel. I mean, we did, like, did, um, who was it? You know, we took in, you know, groceries and stuff like that. We gave it to a food kitchen and stuff like that. That didn't go over real big. There's only a few of us who actually ever given to that, so we stopped it. But I think like uh, there's a lot of ways you can give, and I like 
give to the local church so the gospel goes forward. It's just, I think, the, the best way to benefit anybody. And then I know that my, my money's being spent well. Because I, I don't care about, like I say, you know, if somebody needs a hand. We've always been, me and my wife have been generous people for as long as I've known her and stuff. Even when we n- never had two nickels to rub together, we'd give one of them away. That's just the way we were. But we don't want to be scammed. And I'm thinking, you've got to be real careful about this. And having said that, do what you should think you should do. But Christian people are givers. Christian people are people who care about others. And if you're the kind of person, I don't care if they live or die, I don't matter to me, whatever, he's still drilling down. Are you really that person? Um, uh, You see your brother in need. You you have this world's good, okay? You You got plenty. You see your brother have need, and you shut up the bowels of compassion from him. How dwelleth the love of God in him? I don't say just give willy-nilly indiscriminately pray and maybe somebody is scamming you every once in a while you give to something you shouldn't have god will know your heart i mean i but be be a little discerning but i want you to have that right heart attitude i want you to have that so we did the we've all seen them you've all seen the ones out there with so we were in Walmart in Augusta. Why is it with Walmart? What is it with everyone's like, okay, you know, I need money. I'm going to Walmart and hang outside. And there was a lady there, you know, we'll work for food or one of these signs, stuff like this. And Susan bought some bananas because we like them and they're a nice snack and, you know. And so she stopped. I think she was driving. She stopped. She grabbed the bananas and handed them to the lady. And the lady looked like, actually, she took them. And I think she was actually grateful to have them. And I was thinking, cool. I mean, you know, uh, and, and then, of course, if she was trying to, you know, get money to buy drugs or something like that, so sad, too bad, you ain't getting no drugs, but you got bananas, so, you know, you say, well, I, wow, uh, you you really splurged there, you went all out. No, no, we didn't, but again, I want to have the right heart, but I don't want you to give you money to it so people can buy drugs, that's no good. I mean, so, you pray. Uh, small point I spent too much time on, but you shouldn't. Ha- you shouldn't. You got to be compassionate. You got to have ca- concern about people. What's he doing? He's saying, "Are you real? Are you legit? Do you have love? Do you see? Do you meet needs?" And when he wrote this, I was thinking, you know, probably what, there were people taking advantage way back then. There were people who were begging who probably didn't need to. My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Hereby we know that we are of the truth, and we assure our hearts before him. So that's what this whole thing's about. We're not, we're not just word people, we're actual people. We, we do what we say we do. And that's how we know that we're of the truth. Or Christian, that's what he's talking about. That We know we're in, we're not outside looking in. And this is how we assure our hearts before him. We encourage our hearts before him. But if, for if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. So I say these things to you, and you say like, oh, yeah, you're right. I'm not loving as much as I should. Oh, I'm not. You know, I don't care about the fellowship as much as I should. Oh, this and this and this and this. And this. It's just like a drive-by guilting, right? It's like I'm just saying all this stuff because I'm trying to guilt you. Look, the Word of God can convict somebody and if it convicts you praise god (laughs) maybe you need conviction but that's not never my heart that's never my heart i don't want to i'm not trying to i could do it 
I mean, I really can. I can just like, you know, cloud up and rain off. You're going to be doing it. You should be. And and there are pastors who do that. There are church who love it. You know, they get so beaten up. Oh, it must have been spiritual. I'm, you know, spiritually bleeding here and stuff. I don't want to be that guy. I want to be gracious. Why? Because God's gracious. Does the Holy Spirit convict us when we need stuff in our lives that we should be tightening up on or is he convicting us of sin? Turn from this, he's saying. Does he do that? Yeah, to me, all the time. All the time. I like to spread the misery around, <laughs> right? No. And if, you're, if your conscience is beating you up, well, there's a couple issues here. One, do what your conscience is telling you to do. But, you know, when I talk about loving... Who, which one of us say, oh, I've arrived. I've arrived. I am the model of what a loving person should be like. And if you copy me, you will be perfectly lover like I am. Just perfectly. Who, who says that? So, there's, and so every time I talk about this, there's always room for improvement. And there's always a place where we can go to the next level. I get it. I get it because I, I see it in my life. And he's saying, if our heart condemns us, whose heart doesn't? God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Because we're saying, like, ah, oh, I should love the Lord more. And he's like, yeah, I know. I know everything. Yeah, I know. I know. And we're beating ourselves up, and he's not. It's funny to me to hear people, I've heard like four sermons on this passage this week, and they were evenly divided. Two of them were like, yeah, see, even if you don't, you know, God will get you and God will show you it. And the other two are like, hey, God's not trying to. Your conscience does a good job of beating you up anyway. God's not trying to. This isn't a drive-by guilting. And I think this, and I said that several times during this, because I don't think that's what John's trying to do. Are you real? Are you legit? Are you in? Are you out? Oh, your conscience beating you up? Yeah, don't worry about it. God's greater than your conscience. Because we can, any, I can convince almost anybody, I think if I really work hard at it, why would I do that? You're not real. You're not legit. You're not really a Christian. And let me show you why. And I can give you all this stuff. And you can, your heart can give, oh, and be overwhelmed. But I don't want to do that. Why? Because God doesn't want to do that. Because I know how your conscience is. Because I know how my conscience is. And sometimes it beats us up and sometimes it shouldn't. But I, let me tell you something. God's great in your conscience. He knows. He knows all things. He knows your heart. He knows if you really love him or not. He knows if you're legit. He knows if you're in. He knows if the love of God is spread abroad in our, our, our hearts by the Holy Spirit which is given us. He knows if we love the brethren. He knows if we, you know, all these things. And your conscience is, it, well, it's in you, right? You're fallen. I always tell you, obey your conscience. Don't go against it. You're going to be needing that later, later on. But I, I won't tell you. It's not a perfect thing. Sometimes my conscience is all wet. I've been like, just I'm working like a dog, and, I, and, I, and I'm, let's say, you know, uh, doing something, and I think like, you know, I, I just got to cool, I just got to take, take a break here. So I'm sitting, relaxed and stuff. And you know, my conscience says, go to the end, thou sluggard, learn from his ways, and, and you know, and, and be diligent, and forth, and, and I'm just like, oh man, I got to, I got to, you know, work, I got to be a bundle of activity, I got to, you know, put in the effort, and I got to sweat, and I got to, you know what you tell your conscience? That, Just shut up. What are you talking about? I know I'm working. I know my heart. I know that. And God is on our team. 
He knows your conscience can be overactive. You can always beat yourself up. I know people, and it seems to beat me, people who are most loving, most genuine, most real, most authentic. They're the ones whose conscience beats them up the most. And that's why they're on that, that place, because they have a fine-tuned sense of, well, I don't want to do that, you know, because it's, it's wrong. And, the... and God's saying, we, we, uh, if our heart condemns us, God's greater than our heart. He knows all things. Beloved, if our heart condemneth not, then we have confidence towards God. And I want you to be at a place where you're, you're confident towards God. Why? Because you're doing a lot of things? Because you're making out big fat checks and putting them in the offering? Because you're... No. <laughs> no, none of those things. Because we love one another. That's telling us that God is at work. Because we're not, we're not naturally lovers. If our heart condemns us not, then we have confidence towards God. Is that important? Yeah, whatsoever we ask, we receive Him because we keep His commandments to do those things which are pleasing in His sight. Um, before we talk about keeping commandments and doing those pleasing in His sight, let's talk about what that looks like. Verse 23, and this is His commandment, that we should believe on the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as He gave us commandments. Well, that's two commandments, Jesus. Is it commandments or is it commandment? It's not good English, is it? It's great theology, though. This is commandment, singular. One, that we should believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And two, and love one another, as he gave us commandment. But I repeat myself. This is redundant. Believe in Jesus and love one another. Like you could separate those. One commandment. Is it, what commandment is that? It's the one he's given all along. So we go to Jesus. Hey, what's the big commandment? Love God with your whole heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbors yourself. What, what is he? What did he change? Oh, this is a commandment. Uh, tithe. Give ten percent. No, you give twenty. Did anyone ever read that? Here's the big commandment, and tells us, you know, whatever. Here's a lot of things to say to us. I think it's 613 commandments in the Old Testament. New Testament, I bet there's more. There's a lot of things to say to us about how we do every avenue, every part of our life looks like something. and looks like it's doing it a certain way. So we've got to keep all those. You've got to love Jesus. You've got to believe in the name of the Son of, of Christ. And you've got to love one another. Hey, if you're doing those two things, which are really one thing, you got it. You got it. And I think the other stuff will come along. All the other stuff. You know, I, I, I keep saying this. Love God. You know, love your neighbor. You know, accept Jesus in your heart to save you and stuff like this. I think if you really do that, like like Scripture tells you, you one, you're fine. Two, everything else will, will work out in your life. How, how I treat my wife. That's an outgrowth of loving God. God says, I want you to love your, your bride like Christ loves his bride. He loved the church. He gave himself for it. Jesus gave himself for his bride. Yeah, he did. He came into the world and died there. And the Spirit of God says, exactly. So go into her world and die there. This says the same thing. God laid down his life for us. We ought to lay down lives for our brethren and our spouses. 
You see, it's all connected. It's all saying the same, coming at it from different angles. But here's the thing. Whatsoever we ask, we receive him because we keep his commandments. So one of the things that this confidence that we're talking about here results in answered prayer. Hey, can I ask a question? Raise your hand, by the way, really, legitimately. How many of you guys sometimes have a problem with answered prayer? Like, I pray and I pray and I pray and God doesn't do what I asked him to do. Can you see that? This verse is lying to us, right? No, no. There's a couple of reasons I want to talk about them just briefly because our time's almost spent and I want to finish the chapter. Couple, God answers prayer. Sometimes he answers no. Sometimes yes. We want a yes, but it almost sounds like he's answering, he's going to give us what we want, right? He's answering our prayer. Sometimes the answer is yes. Sometimes the answer is no. Sometimes the answer is wait. Sometimes the answer is get somebody else to pray with you. When we're going through Matthew, and we said, if two or more of you agree in anything, God will give us things in prayer collectively that he won't give us individually. I'm praying for this, I'm praying for that, and I get nowhere, and then with two or three, well, I got, I know somebody who's naturally we're two, and it kind of works out really good. I'm glad he didn't say three, because that would kind of exclude marriages. You know, he said two or three. The more the merrier, for sure. But I'm, like, sometimes I get this other person in my life, and she's, like, prayer person. We pray probably, like, I don't know, sometimes not as much as we should. Like, I think, like, you know, every day, an hour in prayer. Now, I know people have done that. Two or three times a week for this or for that. Something comes up and we, we pray about it. We're driving off from church. We Somebody told us about something, so we stop and pray about it right then. You know, she's reading Facebook and this and this has happened. Okay, let's pray about that. Why? We're two or three. Why does God say that? Why can't he just answer your prayer individually? He can. Why does he talk about two or three? Because he wants us to pray collectively. <laughs> I tell, can't tell you how much has been in my marriage. How, how, how you know, prayers been with, with family that prays together stays together. Uh, sh- show me somebody who's praying collectively, husband and wife, and who's splitting up and on like getting divorced. Sh- I defy you to show me that. All the small issues are going to be worked out. They always are. They always. And then he wants us to agree together. He wants us to pray together collectively. He wants us to. There's, there's things that like. You know, I think it's the problem with. I've been praying to an end of COVID. It hasn't happened yet. You know what? The, we can have this sewed up, I think, in no time at all. My people who are called by my name will humble themselves and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. I'll hear from heaven. I'll answer their prayer. I'll heal their land. What's happening? We're not humbling ourselves. We're not turning from our wicked ways. We're not crying to the Lord. Obvious to me. Now, pockets are. How many have to? I don't know. I I don't know how it works. I know that two or three is more powerful than the individual. But whatsoever we ask, we receive him because we keep his commandments and do those things which are pleasing in his sight. Will God bless a a life that's lived for him? He won't. Living for him won't get you saved. But if you are living for him, God blesses faithfulness. He just does. This is the commandment that we should believe in the name of, uh, of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave his commandment. And he that keepeth his commandments dwell in him, 
and he and him, that's to say God in the person who keeps his commandments, and hereby we know that we abide, that he abideth in us by the spirit which he has given us. Matter of fact, I look at that time and it's gone. We're going to take up that last verse next week. Let's, uh, let's stand, let's pray. Sir, you can come. Lord, uh, your word is wonderful. Help us to commit, keep your commandments. We want to believe in the name of our, of his son, your son, Jesus Christ, and we want to love one another as you gave us commandments. Help us to do that. Help us to be authentic. Help us to lay down our lives for each other, set our lives aside for each other. I mean, there's a lot here that, you know, we don't want to just walk away, you know, saying, we heard a good word. Your word is good. But we want it to have an eternal effect on us. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.